Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring. As we all know, marriage has been a subject of controversy in recent years, and the controversy now moves to Australia, which is tabulating, even as we speak, the results of a, I believe it's called, a plebiscite, a nationwide vote on the fate of marriage. I welcome back to Freedom's Ring my good friend, James Standish. James? Tell us about what's happening in Australia with marriage. First of all, it's great to be back on the show, Alan, and thanks for all that you do to keep the uh, light of liberty shining. Australia has had an interesting approach to the marriage issue, and that is, in the U.S., we know that marriage was redefined by the Supreme Court. In the U.K., the Parliament voted on uh, on the marriage definition. In Australia, they decided to put the question to a nationwide vote. And so, as we're recording, you know, just waiting for the results of that vote. Uh, and it raises, of course, a lot of questions. The debate has raised a lot of issues uh, because two of the uh, sort of primary issues that have been, uh, been discussed during the debate is uh, what impact will this have on religious freedom and also what impact will it have on free speech? We've sort of had a few hints as this has uh, started because there have been a really quite ferocious attacks on Christians, uh, the churches. We've had churches that have been attacked with graffiti. We've had a lot of very, very hyperbolic rhetoric. We've had those who have advocated on behalf of maintaining our definition of marriage in Australia, which is currently, you know, one man, one woman, being uh, verbally and uh, abused. Uh, we've had a whole host of things happen. Um, even had people fired from their jobs. And this is before, you know, the decision has come out. So we're waiting to see how this comes out. But naturally enough, we're concerned that it's going to have a very substantial impact on the individual rights of people to practice their faith and also to speak freely. So tell us, I guess, there's, you know, there's at least two levels of risk here, assuming that Australia were to vote in favor of expanding the definition of marriage. Uh, one level of risk has to do with religious freedom, and then the other, of course, the impact on families and especially on children. And actually, I'd like you to start there with the impact on children and the social impact, because um, that's something that doesn't get enough attention, I think. Well, I, I agree with you. It's an interesting thing that we are living through a period in the Western world where uh, young people's lives... Uh, being affected dramatically by our culture and in negative ways. Now, it's hard to draw a straight line between the violence that we've done to stable marriage through our laws and culture and the uh, the level of distress among our youth. But what we know is this, both in the United States and in Australia, over the last five decades, we've seen the youth suicide rates triple. That is, we now have three times as many kids who are taking their own lives, which uh, is absolutely horrendous uh, statistic and, and something that should make all of us pause and give consideration for what is going on in our culture. We also have a mental illness crisis affecting our young people in 
Australia, 23%. A recent study found of uh, uh, kids suffering from severe illness, a lot of it to do with uh, depression, anxiety disorders, a whole host of things. And similarly, um, in the U.S., we're having similar issues, New Zealand, other countries. Um, I should say, just interest, you're talking to me, I'm actually in New Zealand right now where they're facing uh, similar similar uh, problems. Uh, another thing that's happening in Western countries across the board is the number of kids in out-of-home care that is in state care, whether it's foster care or, uh, or other, uh, other, other institutions, uh, has gone up dramatically. In, in the state of New South Wales, for example, which is the state where the city of Sydney is located, it's the most popular state in the country of Australia, uh, the number of children in foster care has gone up 373% in the last two decades. So we have a genuine, serious crisis among our youth. And we're not really talking about it. What we're talking about is the rights of adults and how things impact adults. And we have this conversation constantly well uh, about the rights of adults. We really don't have a very robust discussion about what the way that we live our lives as adults impacts the rights and the ability of children to grow up in a stable environment. So an- another example is in... Well, when you talk about foster care, before we leave that subject, as our listeners may be reminded... In at least three places here in the United States, uh, foster you know organizations providing adoption services had to be closed down because of their refusal on conscience grounds not to serve same-sex couples. And that took place in Boston, in Illinois, in San Francisco, and have deprived, you know, hundreds and hundreds of kids of access to, uh, you know, get out of foster care and get adopted. Yeah, exactly. And you have to think about how radical do you have to be in your uh, politics or how uncaring do you have to be where you're willing to take one of the premier adoption agencies, which is Catholic Charities, and keep them out of doing what they do so well, and that is get vulnerable kids into loving, caring families. But that's exactly what's happened. And of course, with the results being what they are. Well, another thing that, that's happened is as, as we've gone through a, a process of, of changing our marriage laws in Australia, we've uh, elevated living together to the same status, essentially, as, as marriage. And what's happened with that is we've seen the marriage rates drop in half, so many more relationships are in the are cohabitating, you know, living together, instead of getting married. And here's the kicker with and that is the rate that relationships break up um, living together couples break up at about 600% the rate of those who are married. In other words, we've just thrown enormous instability into the lives of our kids. Not only are marriages breaking up at higher rates, but the marriage rate has halved. More people are growing up, more kids are coming up in houses where, where couples just live together, but the living together couples break up at roughly 600% the rate of married couples. So enormous instability in the lives of our children. And as a result, um, in part, they're suffering significantly. Now, just so we're clear, you're not suggesting that this can all be put on the shoulders of uh, same-sex relationships or same-sex marriage. If I think what I hear you saying is that extending marriage to same-sex couples is part of the trends of transforming the marriage relationships in ways that have been harmful to kids. Exactly. And at each stage that we've gone through, there's always been, as I sometimes say, the worst ideas have the best arguments. And the arguments for every step that we've gone down the the road to 
uh, doing uh, all the different legal changes uh, to marriage, there's always been very eloquent arguments to do it. But the end result is we've created a an environment where we focus over and over again on the rights of parents. We don't give adequate consideration to the rights of kids. If we create a legal norm where marriage is redefined, we will just, as we have with every other step that we've gone through in our legal processes, we create new social norms. And those social norms will be accelerated and you'll have more kids growing up in homes in the case in this next step, okay, without a mom or a dad. You know, if you think back on your life and you think of your children, you think about what, what it means to have a dad. How important was a dad to you? How important was a mom to you? And to lose one or the other is really a cruel choice to give to children. Well, and of course, that's not going to be the norm in all of these situations. I know of one couple where the biological father is still very much involved in the lives of his biological kids, even though the the marriage as such is a same-sex marriage. Um, well, you know, look, there's a thousand different ways it's going to play out, but ultimately saying that there's an exception doesn't mean that there isn't going to be an impact. But I think in addition, that's certainly true, in addition to the impact on children, which uh, we've spent some time talking about, we have just a few minutes left to highlight a couple of the primary concerns for religious freedom. Uh, What's number one on your list, James? Uh, Number one concern is uh, in Australia, they don't have adequate protection for freedom of speech, no constitutional protection, and that people will be uh, fired, uh, institutions will be forced to to, will, will be uh, marginalized, uh, will have their um, their ability to access uh, funding and participate in any kind of program impacted negatively. I think ultimately what we're going to see is this. We're going to see any entity or individual who holds to the Christian view of marriage. First, we've already seen this, stigmatized, then marginalized, and ultimately the behavior or the uh, uh, expressing that view, criminalized. And we've already seen that starting to happen. We've had Archbishop of, of Tasmania, the Catholic Archbishop, pulled up before the Human Rights Commission there because he advocated for the Christian view of marriage. Just going to start seeing that across. I think that this is likely going to be uh, what happens uh, across the country. But there's hope. Because even if there's a vote in favor of uh, uh, same-sex marriage, and we don't know if there will be or not, but that seems to be the, the likely result at this point, Um Parliament still has to pass a law uh, implementing that. And the question is, will that law have any religious freedom protections or not? Right now, there are two sides on that. And of course, those who've been strongest for same-sex marriage all the time saying there's no free speech problems, there's no religious freedom problems, are the ones pushing the hardest for a version of the same-sex law that will have no, virtually no religious liberty or free speech protections. So we'll see what comes of it. But I think this is going to be a very, very serious battle for religious freedom in Australia and uh, free speech rights. Well, And there's, there's certainly no guarantee how it's going to play out. In the United States, the, the legal norm has been that the civil rights of same-sex couples trump um, religious freedom provisions or protections, and that the rights of conscience have to bow before equality rights. Um, yeah, let, let me just point out two things in that. First of all, religious freedom is a civil right. It's actually our first civil right. And secondly, equality applies to equal treatment for people of various religious perspectives. And I think one of the problems that's happening with public discussion in the United States and in the Western world in general is we're positing 
a civil right versus religious freedom. Well, freedom, religious freedom is our first civil right. And the minute that we are willing to make that a second class right and always subsume, it means that it's not a right at all. Uh, indeed. And as some have said, uh, myself included, uh, religious freedom is increasingly sent to the back of the civil rights bus. Um, I think there's, you know, there's ways to have the right definition of marriage and have religious freedom. It takes tolerance, it takes respect, and it takes some really serious, thoughtful discussions. Most of the issues where Christians have been um, prosecuted or lost the uh, lost their ability to be uh, to work or to have institutions, all those issues that we've talked about, are resolvable if people are just a little bit tolerant. The, the adoption agency issue is a classic example. Why does every single adoption agency have to adopt the same-sex couple if you have a Catholic agency who, who tries, who is, operates under a particular different uh, or Christian moral uh, precepts? Why would you exclude them Rather than just saying, okay, well, you know, most other adoption agencies do adopt to same-sex couples. There's, there's access to this. Why do we have to uh, punitive and actually go to the step of expelling the Catholics from their, their mission in this area? I think it's a very intolerant, unthoughtful, and ultimately uncaring to the rights of kids approach to a, a complicated issue that can be sorted out if we accommodate our different i got to cut you off. We're out of time. Great discussion. We can balance the rights of everybody and protect everybody. Our guest today, religious freedom professional James Standish, has served in many capacities. Thank you for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. As we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help those suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. That's churchstate.org. Org. And Freedom's Ring is available on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring. <laughs>